Welcome to another place in time Where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive Hello and welcome to Dead or Survive. I am your host, Rob Riches. I am your other host, Cheryl Riches. Happy New Year! Woohoo, we made it. Yes, another year in the books. Another year closer to death. Oh, that's lovely. What's lovely? That's a lovely way to think about it. Well, we're all going to die. It's true. We will. There's no way out of it. Doesn't matter how much money you have, how many gifts you got at Christmas. How many not stupid decisions you make. This is true. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you do. So you might as well just go out and have fun and piss off as many people as you can. (laughs) Right? Right. There you go. Let's do it. So, how was your New Year's? It was good. Had some friends over. Did you? Where was I? You were there. Oh, is that like... That was me flipping my book. (laughs) And I was trying to do it quietly and it didn't work. So then you just did it extra loud on purpose? Yeah, now you can edit it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I had some friends over, this is true. And we uh, played some board games. Yeah. Yeah. it's how boring we are as we get older in lives. No more big parties and bars and blah, blah, blah. Took the dogs to their first excursion to the beach of the year. Yes, we took them out to the beach. It was creepy. It was kind of like foggy and you could see people in the distance. And I don't know, it just felt creepy. Yeah, and then um, I don't know if anybody, I mean, along our shores right now, they've got all the berms up. Like It's like they dumped all the snow there or whatever. So you couldn't even see the water. Yeah. So it was like fog was coming in. It was the water pushing the snow up. Well, whatever the scenario was. (laughs) Sometimes they use Burwell as a dumping site for excess snow too. Oh, well, I don't think that's what it was. But anyways, anyways, there was a berm there, so you couldn't see um, the lake at all. You couldn't see anything. And then the snow on the sand was all weird. So, yeah, it was a... It was like apocalyptic almost. It was weird. And then, like Cheryl said, as we were walking, there's a uh, gentleman walking towards us, but you can barely see him because of the fog. And then he like walked out of the fog, and then I just, just started just... thinking about all my stories. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is it. We're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And you would think that with four dogs, two of them being Saint Bernards, one being a Rottweiler, that we would feel protected. But no, no, no our hide. dogs are cowards. They would hide behind us. 100%. Yeah, they would run. <laughs> we got one that we're not sure about now, so we're not sure what she would do, but. The rest, they're hiding. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then other than that, the rest of the week, we uh, did a little Christmas stuff and did a little shopping and kind of just hung out around the house. And now our week's over and we have to go back to work. Yes, we do. And that sucks. And we're on opposite shifts, so we don't even see each other. Nope. So there you go. Now you're all caught up to us. (laughs) And you know that if you break into our house, our dogs won't protect us. So come on over. (laughs) I mean, they're actually mean. We just say that. (laughs) So mean. That's okay. I have a 12 gauge. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll be all right. Um, yeah. I got nothing else. How about you? Nope. I so got let's nothing. start this new year off then. You got a drink? I do, yep. You got a story? I have a story. Well, then let a rip potato chip. First story of 2023. Here we go. We're creeping up to our 50th episode too. I don't know when it is. I don't know where we're at, so don't ask me. I just know we're getting uh, close. We're, we're will, getting close, I think. I I'm not sure. You know, I didn't look. I will let you know when it's our 50th. And just so you guys know, for our 50th episode, we're going to do something really spectacular for everybody. We're going to tell you an episode. 
That's what we're doing for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's a good plan. And the first 50 people to email us will answer. <laughs> I know. I know. It's pretty exciting times. Pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you about Elizabeth. Oh, you got everything pulled up now? I don't have to keep stalling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh, so you're actually ready now. Yeah. All right. Let her rip. I'm going to tell you about Elizabeth Smart. <laughs> Do you remember her? No. She was in the media. I'm, uh, I don't know. I remember her sort of. I know a lot of people will remember this story, though. Anyways. Elizabeth Ann Smart was born on November 3rd, 1987 in Salt Lake City, Utah. She's born the same year as me. Bullshit. Why are you going to swear? <laughs> All the time. Okay. She was born to Ed and Lois Smart. Her family was very religious and part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She's the second oldest child in her family, and she has four brothers and one sister. Big family, big religious family. Um, they had the whole perfect thing going on. Elizabeth was smart and pretty and loved, and she loved horses and playing the harp. The harp. The harp, yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> that was a thing, yeah. So in the early morning of June 5th, 2002, when Elizabeth was 14, her sister Mary Catherine woke up to the sounds of a male voice in the bedroom she shared with her older sister. They were actually sharing the same bed. They were, you know, like sisters hanging out together. She heard the man threatening her sister, so she pretended to sleep. Before she knew it, Elizabeth was gone. The man had told Elizabeth to be quiet and threatened to kill her family if she didn't comply. So her sister thought it was a good idea not to scream and holler. She was to... a baby. She was just a little kid. Well, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, she was a you younger was sister. A si yeah, yeah, younger sister. It's all you told me. I think she was nine. She was just a kid. All right. Carry on then. Um, no, I look like a jerk. <laughs> Thanks. All because you don't do your fact checking. Okay. A few hours later, Mary Catherine ran to her parents' room and told them Elizabeth had been taken. So at first, typical parents were like, it's okay, you had a bad dream, let's go back to bed, right? But in, to when they got back there, Elizabeth wasn't in the bed, obviously, so they did a search of the house. And then the reality grew that, yeah, Mary Catherine had actually seen Elizabeth being stolen out of her bed. So they called 911. Within an hour, the search for 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart had begun. When, the, when they searched the house, investigators determined that the abductor had entered through an unlocked window in the kitchen by heading, cutting a hole in the screen and climbing through. It was just a little window, too, but he must have squeezed right through there. Yeah, but remember our place? Yep, I do. Same so thing happened. So we were um, living in our first house together, and we left the window. We didn't have any dogs or anything at the time. And we left the window open. It wasn't a whole lot, but we just wanted to get air circulation. We didn't have yeah, an air have conditioner AC. downstairs yeah. or anything like that. So, yeah, they came right into our house while we were sleeping. Yeah, and we were in, like, a tiny little town. It wasn't, I don't know. We I felt safe in that town until then. But, yeah, they came in while we were sleeping. Through a little window in the kitchen. Yeah. And they didn't kidnap or hurt no. anybody. but They stole a bunch of stuff and left. It's a good thing our kiddos were uh, at their father's places and friends places because they would have walked almost right into their bedrooms yeah. on the main floor and yeah and the next day we found like pieces of extension cords that had been tied into like noose kind of loops that they could have used to restrain us i guess if we had awoken up and it's very scary in hindsight at the time it was more shocking but now looking back at it I well was especially like, when the police are banging on your door because they find your car on yeah fire. <laughs> yeah 
anyways. So, anyways, but, we're just yeah. saying that you know you should probably keep your windows locked. Yeah. If you got AC, if not, I mean, I kind of like the new style windows where you can pull them down from the top. Yeah. Those are kind of nice too. Yeah. This window is one of those ones that swung in too. So it like part of the space of the window was taken out because it was like, you know how they swing in and then yeah. there's a, yeah, like uh-huh. side to side instead of. Yeah. To make it easier for women to clean them. Oh my God. Yes, honey. I'm going to have to throw something at you now. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Search dogs were only able to track Elizabeth sent a few feet away from the house. So the police got there and everybody was searching for Elizabeth and it was this big frenzy and nobody thought about trying to protect the evidence because they didn't think that maybe there was evidence to be protected right away. They thought, you know, she wandered off or whatever. So a lot of the evidence so was destroyed. The sister goes and says somebody took her. Yeah. And they think she just wandered off. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that they didn't protect the evidence the way that they were supposed to. And it was 19. Oh, no, sorry. It was 2002. You'd think they would know a little bit better, but I don't want to police shame or anything. I'm just saying that's what happened. Uh, the media frenzy had begun already. Investigators searched the family's computers to see if Elizabeth had been contacted by anybody suspicious online, but they didn't find anything. The Smarts were in the process of renovating their house at the time, and they were getting ready to sell it. So anybody that had been involved with the renovations became a suspect. Investigators made a list of the contractors, repairmen, and real estate professionals who had been in contact with the family and interviewed them. Meanwhile, Elizabeth was being dragged through the nearby forest to a campsite by her abductor, her abductors, Brian David Mitchell and his wife, Wanda Barzi. There was two of them? There was two of them, husband and wife. Oh, he threw the wife through the window. No, it was him. Remember? The kid saw. Anyways. Well, it doesn't mean she didn't go through the window and open up the front door so he could get in. I'm just saying when it's a small window, I was thinking the guy might be a little bigger. That's all. That's true. I guess I'm stereotyping. Okay. So let's talk about them for a minute. Okay. Uh, Brian David Mitchell was born on October 18th, 1953. Oh, he was born around the same time as you. (laughs) Stop it. In Salt Lake City, Utah. Utah. You want to go to Utah. I do. This whole thing takes place in Utah. I really want to go to Utah. Okay. He was the third of six children in a Mormon family. His mother was a teacher and his father was a social worker. In order to teach Mitchell about sex, his father reportedly showed his adolescent son explicit photos from a medical journey. And in order to teach him about independence, he would drive Mitchell to unfamiliar places in Salt Lake City, drop him off, and leave him to find his own way home. Good parenting. At age 16, Mitchell showed himself to a child. So, like, he exposed himself, and he was sent to juvie. Which, you know, that's fine. Again, it's wrong. Don't I'm, I know the sound is like I'm defending him. But if that's all he's taught, yeah, and his parents are showing him this, why does he wind up in juvie? Like, why aren't the parents talked to? And why doesn't children's yeah. aid come in? And why isn't all this? Like, why is your child doing this? Right. At 19, he married and had two children with Karen Minor, who was three years younger than he was, making her only 16 at the time. After their divorce, Minor was awarded custody of both children. And Mitchell temporarily fled with the children to New Hampshire, but she got them back. He resided in New Hampshire for two years where he joined the Hare Krishna commune. Do you, they're the guys with the white robes and the, That's the weird No, they, they have those weird hairstyles, you know, with the, their head is shaved except for the ponytail thing on the top. It's like a cult. It's like a cult. <laughs> Jesus. 
In Salt Lake City, Mitchell had two additional children with his second wife, Debbie, who herself had three children from a previous marriage. Debbie alleged that Mitchell was abusing her during their marriage and they divorced in 1984. After their separation, Debbie alleged that Mitchell had sexually abused their three-year-old son. The claim could not be medically confirmed, but Mitchell's future visitations with his children were ordered to be supervised by the Division of Child and Family Services. Okay. Right. One of Debbie's daughters from her previous marriage would later claim that Mitchell had sexually abused her for four years. This guy is just like a creep. Like such a... Yeah. On the day Mitchell and Debbie divorced, their divorce was finalized, he married Wanda and Lane Barzi. So Wanda is who we're dealing with now. So all this comes to light. He's in jail and another woman marries him. Right. Yep. All right. Perfect. Just checking. She was a then 40-year-old divorcee with six children. Barzi had a troubled relationship with their children. One of her daughters would later refer to her as a monster. And she also claimed that when she was a child, Wanda had fed her pet rabbit to her for dinner. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm country. I didn't find anything wrong with that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Together, Mitchell and Barzi were actively involved in the Latter-day Saints Church. Eventually, Mitchell began going by the name Emmanuel, claiming he was a prophet of God who experienced prophetic visions. For this, he was excommunicated from the church. He would panhandle and preach in downtown Salt Lake City. Mitchell presented himself in an image that was, so he tried to make himself like like Jesus. He was he dressed in white robes and tunics and he grew a beard. All right, so these are the monsters that have Nobody taken. told him that Jesus was a woman? <laughs> Jesus was not a woman. God um, was a woman. Uh... <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, these are the monsters that have taken Elizabeth. Elizabeth recognized Brian as a homeless man named Emmanuel that had been to the house to help her father repair the skylight in the roof. Wanda performed a marriage ceremony, because that's legit, and Emmanuel took Elizabeth as his second wife. You don't know that. Maybe she's ordained. Yeah, but if she's not agreeing to it, Elizabeth's not saying I do. I can guarantee you that. Elizabeth was repeatedly raped. She was forced to change into a white robe that matched the clothing of her abductors, and she was tied to a tree. The day after, Elizabeth said she was forced to be naked all day and watch her kidnapper have sex with his wife, Wanda. If she didn't, her kidnapper told her she would have to, she would have to remain naked, and she would not be able to eat or drink anything. Mitchell believed that he was a prophet and brainwashed Elizabeth into believing that he would kill her family if she tried to escape. So Elizabeth is brought up in this really religious upbringing, and she's completely destroyed now by what's happened to her. She thinks that she's worthless because she's lost her virginity, right? That's just the, that's the way that the church had put it into her head. I don't want to get too much into that. Um, Anyways. Just enough to bring it up, right? (laughs) Elizabeth, I'm just putting you into her mindset. But anyway, she began to strategize. She decided that she would be nice to her kidnappers and do anything they asked in the hopes that she would make it out alive. The day after the kidnapping, the Smarts held a press conference pleading for whoever took their daughter to return her home safely. They asked for volunteers to come out and help search for Elizabeth. How would the church view that, though? I don't know. I'm not part of it, so I don't know. Interesting. 
Um, they printed 450 volunteer forms, but they quickly ran out. 2,000 people showed up to volunteer to help find Elizabeth. They swept the area around the smart home, even using dogs and aircraft to aid the search. They uncovered nothing. Mitchell and Barzi frequently took Elizabeth out in public, although she was hidden behind her robes and a veil. The trio spent the next several months in the San Diego area, moving between campsites and eating at homeless shelters. As months passed, the police investigation uncovered hundreds of potential suspects, eventually focusing on a 26-year-old drifter named Brett Michael Edmonds. Suspicion intensified on Edmonds until he was discovered in a West Virginia hospital after suffering an overdose. Primary suspicion then turned to the handyman that was previously hired by the Smarts, Richard Ricci, who was in police custody for other reasons. Ricci was on parole for the attempted murder of a police officer. He was charged with felony burglary charges in the neighborhood of the Smart Home, and they actually found some of the Smart's possessions, like he had stolen from them too when he was there doing work on the house. These guys are getting just hammered, eh? Getting stolen left and right. They got uh, convicted, or they got, um, yep, criminal people in their house doing work and stuff. Well, and the thing with Mitchell was that Lois saw him panhandling one day, and she, you know, she was trying to be Christian, and she offered him a little bit of work at the house, and that's how he ended up doing it. So she was trying to do a good deed, and that's what ended up. No good deed goes unpunished, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so despite pressures to confess from local police, Ricci denied having anything to do with the kidnapping, which we know now he didn't. You can see footage of the interview and you got to feel a little bad for the guy. Ricci suffered a brain hemorrhage on Tuesday, August 27th, 2002, and then he slipped into a coma. And on Friday, August 30th, he was taken off life support and died. From the police beating him? Well, it doesn't say that. You have to wonder. Ricci's wife was not even allowed into his hospital room to say goodbye. All leads died with him. Although he didn't have any leads, but that's what they thought. The Smart family refused to let the lack of development silence media coverage. They started a website to serve as a resource for the investigation and provided media with home videos of Elizabeth as a child and a teenager. On July 24th, 2002, police were summoned to the home of Lois's sister after their daughter was awakened by someone cutting through a bedroom window. So this is Elizabeth's cousin. Great. It was later revealed that Mitchell and Barzi were behind the attempted break-in, with Mitchell seeking to make Smart's 15-year-old cousin another bride. About four months into Elizabeth's disappearance, Mary Catherine had an epiphany. She believed she knew who kidnapped her sister. So she was just sitting there one day flipping through uh, her Guinness World World Book of Records book, you know, the, you yeah. know like that thing. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. She was Nobody th- else on the, out there <laughs> listening to the podcast does, but I do. <laughs> anyway, she was flipping through that. And then she just thought in her, for some reason in her head, she was like, I recognize that voice. And she knew who it was. Wasn't that what they say when they do like cognitive? Cognitive. cognitive. Yeah interviews they they get you to relax and yeah and more things come back to you yeah so that's what happened to her so she told her parents that she believed the abductor was a homeless man known only to the family as Emmanuel, and he had worked on the house for one day several months before elizabeth's disappearance so i got into that a little bit earlier um 
The investigators had Emmanuel's name on their list of possible suspects early on in the investigation, but because of a typing error in the police's computer system, the name Emmanuel had not brought up Mitchell's arrest record. When Mary Catherine told the police, she suddenly and without apparent cause remembered the kidnapper's voice as that of a man she had met briefly more than a year ago. Police did not believe her. You have to kind of understand why. No, I don't. Because <laughs> half the time people say that and they don't follow up. So even yeah. if you don't believe her, follow up. Well, what's it going to hurt? It's a good thing her family believed her. But what's it going to hurt? It's true. It is. It's true. What's it going to Okay, hurt? you know what? We'll take the drive over there. Yeah. Oh my God, it's going to take an hour out of your day. Yeah, that's true. The police were fully convinced that Richard Ricci had been the kidnapper, but had died before they could get his confession. The Smart family public, publicly accused police of not following up on the lead. So they went in front of the media and said, look, at our daughter remembered this. The police aren't looking into it. And they decided to take matters into their own hands. They contacted John Walsh, who dedicated a new segment of his show, America's Most Wanted, to update the public on Elizabeth's case. Walsh showed composite sketches of Emmanuel Dunn from Mary Catherine's descriptions. One of the viewers of the show that night was Derek Thompson, the son of, son of Wanda Barzi, Mitchell's wife. Ha <laughs> Yeah. In addition, Mitchell's ex-wife recognized him from the sketches and called the police. She told police that Mitchell was sexually abusive and that she had believed he was keeping Elizabeth alive if he had her. By the time Mitchell, by this time, Mitchell was beginning to be identified. So he had transported his wife and Elizabeth to California, where he had his sight set on another wife, a 12-year-old daughter of a local Latter-day Saints clergyman. So he's trying, he's thinking about kidnapping yet another child good job yeah mitchell had been invited for dinner at the girl's house under the guise of joining the church a few weeks weeks later when mitchell tried to kidnap the girl he was unable to break in and gave up on his plan can you imagine being those parents too though like to know that your child was almost taken i mean almost taken is better than taken right i know it's all terrible but again it makes it it makes it really Again, here's somebody trying to do a good deed, giving them some food, right. trying to get him into a church. Yep. A few weeks later, Mitchell was arrested for breaking into a preschool, but gave another false name. So this guy has such a huge record. They had him in the, their hands, but he gave a fake name and he was held in prison for a few days and then he had a hearing and then he was released. But in the meantime... Wanda became concerned that her husband had not returned and went to another campsite to search and, pr and pray for him. She left Elizabeth alone, but Elizabeth didn't try to escape. Meanwhile, on America's Most Wanted, Wall showed some photos of Mitchell that Mitchell's stepson had sent into the show. A viewer in California called and reported that she had seen a man that looked similar, accompanied by two women wearing veils and robes. Mitchell and Barzi became aware that they were being searched for, so they abandoned their robes and they began to travel away from California. There was a number of sightings in California and Las Vegas, but they were gone by the time the police arrived. On March 12th... Because if you order food or you call the police, guess what shows up yeah. first? On March 12th, the trio arrived in Sandy, Utah, and several people called 911, believing that the man was Brian David Mitchell. When officers approached the trio for questioning, they discovered that Mitchell Barzi and disguised in a gray wig and a veil, Elizabeth. Police, police recognized Elizabeth. When they stepped, 
when they separated her from her captors, she continued to maintain her story that she was not Elizabeth Smart and that she was traveling of her own free will. Oh, boy. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. After some more questioning and after seeing her own missing persons report, Elizabeth admitted her identity. That, she was probably still worried, too. Not only Stockholm, but worried about her parents, right? Yeah. Like she was told they're going to die. Right, yeah. And look at all the mean things he did to her. Why well, was she just... Not only her parents, she's got all those brothers and sisters, too. Yeah. So. Uh, that day, Ed Smart was asked to go to a local police station where he assumed he was going to go in and identify Emmanuel and say, yeah, that's him. When he entered and saw Elizabeth, he was stunned. The news that Elizabeth had been found alive spread like wildfire. On March 18th, Mitchell and Barzi were charged with aggravated kidnapping, aggravated burglary, and sexual assault. The pair were ruled incompetent to stand trial several times. When the trial began, and Mitchell Mitchell would act out like he'd start shouting religious stuff and scripture and hymns, and the judge ruled the behaviors and said said that he was suffering from from psychosis. Mitchell was placed in the care of a Utah State Hospital for pathological paranoia. In February of 2006, so they're still fighting trying to get him on trial because right now they're saying he's not fit to stand trial, right? A bill passed the Utah legislature and allowed for forcible medication of the defendants to ensure competence to face trial. So they're forcing medication on him. Nice. Yeah. In June, a judge approved forcible medication of Barzi so she could stand trial. A similar motion regarding Mitchell proved highly controversial, eventually reaching federal courts in Octo- on October 10th, 2008. And? Intense debate raged as to whether Mitchell was genuinely delusional or just highly manipulative, with expert witnesses testifying to both perspectives. Mitchell was finally declared competent to stand trial. Nice. Yeah. How do you do that though? Like, how do you get several experts that are just disagreeing? Have, yeah, like it's so. Yeah, he must have been just that good, right? Well, he did that good, or he or actually, he was, or he <laughs> yeah, was, right? yeah. Wanda Barzi formally admitted to her role in the kidnapping and enslavement of Elizabeth, and said in trial, "I'm so sorry, Elizabeth, for all the pain and suffering I caused you and your family. It is my hope that you will be able to find it in your heart to forgive me." No, that's a no. Oh, she's religious, though. Yeah. She probably did. On November 17, 2009, Barzi was sentenced to 15 years in federal prison for kidnapping and sexual assault and one to 15 years at the Utah State President for the attempting ki- attempted kidnapping of Smart's cousin. The sentences to run concurrently. 30 years. And yep. you'll probably be out in 10. That's Wanda. Eight years after taking Elizabeth out the window in view of her sister, Mitchell stood trial for the crime. The trial lasted more than four weeks. Smart testified in the presence of Mitchell for three days, recounting nine nine months of rape, sometimes multiple times a day, and being forced to watch pornographic films and drink alcohol, alcohol to erode her resistance. Elizabeth's testimony sealed her abductor's conviction. Mitchell was sentenced to two life sentences in federal prison in May of 2011. Since returning home safely from her time in captivity, Elizabeth has become an advocate for missing children and victims of sexual abuse. She spoke to Congress several times to promote promote bills that would aid victims and improve the sex offender registry system. 
She has also advocated for more comprehensive sex education and cites her abstinence-only education as one of the reasons why she did not try to escape when she had the opportunity. So we go back to what I touched on earlier, right? Smart says that because of her upbringing, she believed that she was worthless when she, she was raped. On September 9th, 2018, Wanda Barzi was granted her freedom under the conditions that she registered as a sex offender and participated in mental health treatment programs. Smart, who voiced her opposition at the parole board's decision, followed with an Instagram post. May we all remain vigilant in watching over our families, friends and community from anyone who would seek to hurt or take advantage. So it doesn't sound like he, she forgave her. I no. truly believe life is meant to be happy and beautiful. And no matter what happens, that will remain my goal for me and my family. Today, Elizabeth Smart is married and has written a book that was published in 2013. Nice. That's Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's still kind of sad, though. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, it's fabulous that she was brought back. I don't know. Did, every time I hear about how the woman gets a lighter sentence, I just think of Carla Hamolka, right? Yep. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I don't understand it either, I guess. I don't, like, I know she wasn't actually, or maybe she did rape her. Like, we don't know. Maybe yeah. she was part of the rape. Well, she and certainly she wasn't trying to help. Obviously, yeah, I was going to say, she obviously wasn't trying to help her. She wasn't trying to do any of that stuff. So, again, why does she get a lighter sentence? Yeah. But I'm not a lawyer, so I have no idea. I guess it's uh, everybody's allowed to a trial, and if you get the right lawyer, you can yeah. uh, get away with anything, I guess. Right. And this was really a high-profile case, so I'm sure that there was a lawyer out there trying to make a name for himself. Oh, yeah. Probably. That's the other thing that's, you know, even if there's not a lawyer, they find one for you and yeah, I don't know. Anyways, good story, baby. Thanks. Not a bad way to start off 2023. Right. That's a, yeah. That's, I wanted to start with a bang. Then why didn't you do one about somebody getting shot? Oh, well, here we go. <laughs> Mine, my stories are going to take us to new heights. Oh, we're mountain climbing, are we? Nope. Skydiving. Nope. Climbing ladders. No. <laughs> Elevators. How about you shush your face, <laughs> drink your beer, <laughs> and I will prepare you for takeoff. Okay. Oh, or in, I didn't even think, well, I skydiving, I guess. But... Yeah. So anyways, December 2021. Oh. Houston, Texas. A West Houston student pilot named Johnny was allowed to solo in a Cessna 172 a few weeks before the incident that I'm about to describe took place. Okay. Was he, he was just getting, like, that was his first solo? Yeah. After the solo flight, um, the 23-year-old was exhilarated and decided to buy an airplane. So, oh, yeah, 23 years old, can, Johnny's got some money. I guess. Um but he bought a different type of plane than what he's ever flown. So he had no training whatsoever. And he bought himself a Piper PA. I was going to say, I bet you it was a Piper. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? That's because when I went to flight aviation, the two kinds of planes were Cessnas and Pipers. Ah. Yeah. Well, for the majority of us out there that don't know, I looked up the, uh, the licensing requirements. So you know how when you're, you're you have an M license, yeah. you can only do this and this and this. 
because I wanted to find out what a solo. So one, a student may not fly solo with a passenger in the aircraft. Uh, and that's actually written on the license. Yeah. A student pilot may not fly at night without specific endorsement by the instructor. Okay. A student pilot must fly under visual flight rules. Yeah. So that means only during daylight hours and keeping distance from clouds. Yeah. You ha- you can't you, you can't rely on your dashboard. You your what are they called? I can't think of the word. I don't know. You're the one that went to school for this, <laughs> not me. <laughs> Um, and then a student pilot may not fly on a hazy or foggy day. There must be at least three miles of visibility and some instructors place a more stringent requirement of plus six on a student's license. So that'd probably be like yours, right? Because they didn't trust you. Because I was a very beginner. Uh, because you were (laughs) running over McDonald's signs. (laughs) And a student may only fly solo with an instructor's endorsement for that specific make and model of aircraft. Oh, yes. So all that stuff is what needed to, you need to have to be able to fly solo. So uh, Johnny's West Huron flight instructor um, pointedly told this 23-year-old, do not fly that new aircraft until you are given some training in it. But that did not deter Johnny. Of course not, because he's Johnny. Well, Johnny wanted to take out his new toy. He wanted to take it out <laughs> yeah. for exercise. So not only did he want to take it out, he took it out on a winter night. Oh, no. He took it out at night. He took it out at night. Um, and he had not been trained on it. And um, he had to fly with an overcast ceiling of 900 feet. Oh, yeah. All very bad decisions. Yes, all very bad. Yeah. But you think yeah. he would, you know, anyways. The, the flight began at 7.30 p.m. and lasted maybe four minutes. So the private plane's transponder was not functioning so the West Huron Airport was not even aware that the plane was missing oh until a friend looking for Johnny wandered into the airport the next day. The wreckage of the Piper plane was identified deep in a heavily wooded area. And unfortunately, there was a fourth strike against Johnny. Two bodies were found oh, in the wreck. No. The foolish young man that was with him also earns a darn award for breaking oh, the no. four rules of flight. But yeah, so they went right up. Um, he didn't know what he was doing and crashed right into a woods yeah. just outside the oh, airport because he didn't know how to get it up and stuff. But I didn't know how to get it up. <laughs> <laughs> the airplane, all you people out there with dirty minds. But how do you do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're like, is that arrogance? Is that, I don't know. It, it's, yeah. Like, I know when I got my license, my motorcycle, even especially my motorcycle license, my car and when I had my, um, my DZ and all that, I was, it was whatever, but my motorcycle license, I was really cautious at first, yeah. right? Like, I felt like you could die. I mean, an airplane. You could die. Like You can die in everything, but I'm just saying an air, a motorcycle, I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a little bit more to, you got two wheels on the pavement, that's it, nothing protecting yeah, you. Yeah, you probably had like a superhero syndrome where he thought, I can do stuff that a lot of people can't do. Look There's nothing wrong with superhero syndrome. <laughs> I am Batman. <laughs> Anyways, 1996. Okay. Canada. Oh. Sleeping residents of Chilliwack. Do you know where Chilliwack is? British Columbia. Yes. Were awakened early one morning by the sound of a small aircraft flying lower than usual. The engine noise was like a mosquito. (laughs) I'm helping. Yeah, you're you're doing the sound effects. I'm doing the sound effects because that's what boys do. 
uh, zooming too close, too quick, and veering away. What the bleep was going on, oh. is what one of the residents said. <laughs> I don't think it was bleep, though. I don't think it was either. During a bout of heavy drinking that lasted into the wee hours of the morning, two future Darwin nominees realized that Although neither one had a pilot's license nor flight training. They could fly. For sure they, they could fly. fly. For sure they, they could. They knew all they needed to know to pilot an aircraft. They've watched Top Gun. Yep. Way to go, Tom Cruise. <laughs> if you're listening to this, look what you've created. <laughs> so one of the uh, gentlemen worked at a small local airport and had access to the tarmac. Oh, so no. they drew the obvious conclusion and decided to take a plane for a drunken joyride over the city. Oh, my God. But if it hadn't worked, what a story they would oh, have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, the idea to execution, the plane evolved quickly. The airport employee unlocked locked gates. Once on the tarmac, the two men managed to break into a small plane, taxi it to the runway. So they're doing not bad. Yeah, they figured out how to get yeah, it moving. Get it moving. And they got it off the ground into the sky. They buzzed around in the dark, skimming above the rooftops of houses. Oh, my God. And uh, eventually, their bladders began to complain. But they no longer remembered how to find the airport. And oh, they were disoriented. No. And they attempted to land on a grassy median between east and westbound lanes of the Trans-Canada Highway. Oh, my God. Now here's, the, And they almost made it under the electrical wires that crossed the median. No. Almost. I'm pretty Almost. impressed. I'm actually kind I'm, I'm of, kind of impressed, too. Yeah. <laughs> but the wires sealed their fate. And the tail of the aircraft crept the wires. And instead of making a soft landing in the grassy verge, the aircraft took a nose-first dive into the ground, killing both Darwin winners. Well, you know what? They definitely went out with a bang. They did. I mean, again, like I said earlier, we're all going to die. I guess it's just how you want to die. And they uh, they went out with a bang. So. Those are, uh, yeah, those are, that's, those are my darlings. They were good ones. I enjoyed them. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different today, guys. I know normally in between um, this and the the dad joke and stuff like that, uh, we actually want to um, express our sympathy for the, uh, the family of the constable that passed away. So yeah, in our area, really, really close to home, really close to home um, for people that may not be aware that are listening in other countries, a OPP officer went to do an investigation and was shot and killed um, probably 30 minutes from where we live. So our, uh, our thoughts go out to his family and is, uh, is he was only on the job for a year. Yeah. So it's, a, it's so terrible. It's, it's like so senseless. That's the worst part about it is it's absolutely senseless. Well, and and the uh, the gentleman was out on uh, release from gun arms or something yeah, like that. Like firearms it, it, charges, yeah. It's all ridiculous. So um, as much as we like to ask you guys to support us, we want you to support that family, put them in your thoughts, and uh, know that right around Christmas, it's horrible already to have someone pass away, but when it's needless and senseless and it's yeah. a, a, an officer of the law that was out there just trying to... He's just doing his job. Doing his job and actually help them. He actually yeah. stopped because they were stuck yeah. in the ditch. So he's actually just trying to help them. Uh, winds up dead. There's just, yeah. there's no excuse for it. So our thoughts with uh, his family. Yeah. And unf I am uh, going to move into a dad joke after that somber thing. That helps, right? Well, let's do a little bit of a segue and say, please subscribe, email, whatever. Okay. Now dad joke. <laughs>
just kind of break the tension <laughs> just to break the tension All right. <laughs> okay if they wanted to email us what would they do debtor survive podcast at gmail.com all right <laughs> okay and if they wanted to help support the podcast what would they do um like subscribe comment share download download all right here we go are you ready from my laugh out loud try not to laugh out loud jokes for kids by rob elliott oh it's by a rob how about that well yeah we're the best <laughs> what's a housekeeper's favorite dessert um i don't know sponge cake oh <laughs> i was going through broom mop i couldn't i couldn't do it i didn't come up with sponge well that's because you don't bake honey that's true i don't <laughs> you don't you don't bake at all i have a cupboard full of baking stuff that i have to use if i want stuff or i have to invite my daughter over anyways ladies and gentlemen welcome to 2023 thank you for listening and Thanks as always have a great week we'll talk to you next weekend bye